Let's fucking go, man. Let's fucking go. What a big time performance tonight from our Cleveland Cavaliers. As always, welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy, Mac. And tonight, our Cleveland Cavaliers took on the San Antonio Spurs for the second time this short season. In the first matchup, the Cavs were able to withstand a quick start from Devin Vassell in a big game for uh, from Victor Wimbiata holding to win the game 117 to 115. Jared Allen and Karis LeVert came up big in that one as well as Sam Merrill. This time around, it was the bigs who did the heavy lifting for the most part. I mean, for fuck's sake, Jared Allen had a 20 points, 11 rebound double-double in the first half. In the first fucking half, he has a double-double. What a way to kick off a new streak after he was basically robbed, right? The double-double streak ended. We all know what happened. Uh, then there was Evan Mobley, who overshadowed Wimby on his way to 28 points and 10 rebounds. He had 19 and 7 in the first half alone and got everybody talking with those back-to-back triples. It was just, the, I'm not sure if you guys realize this, but it was just the third time in Evan Mobley's career that he's made two triples in the first half and the first time in his career. First time in his career that he has hit three triples in his three seasons. He was locked in tonight for this matchup. And it should be mentioned that Mobley missed the first matchup between the two teams. They they felt his they they felt his absence in that one to a degree. And so he came out and he played a big time game against Wimby tonight. He played aggressively. He attacked the Spurs, including Wimby inside. He made them pay for not defending him beyond the arc. He attacked the glass like a madman. He provided his typical defensive player of the year level defense. Really, honestly, the front court pairing as a whole, right? The front court pairing tonight and if you add in Max Struess's big contributions I'm putting that in air quotes for anybody who's listening to this via audio the entire starting front court accounted for over 60 yes 60 of the Cavs total 117 points on the night that should shut some people up I love it and yes I know this is coming against a lowly 10 and 39 Spurs team but I don't give a fuck that was big time Allen continues his recent dominance after getting robbed of that double-double and Mobley reminded some motherfuckers that he is still that dude. I'm tired of seeing the trade machines. I'm trying. I'm tired of seeing Evan Mobley and Darius Garland included in some ridiculous trades. Just flat-out ridiculous. Just for ridiculous. The guy just came back from surgery after missing some time give him some time to acclimate himself same goes for Darius Garland and they showed you you know I'll talk about Darius here in a little bit that's a little bit of a different story but Evan Mobley showed you tonight just why he was picked as high as he was and why the potential and the expectations that were levied upon him from year one were placed on him because he is that legit he is that fucking good and if he starts dropping three-pointers let alone two or three in a game on you it's game over. The Cavs are a title contender. Yes, again, I know this is coming up against the Spurs, but I really, really don't care. It was awesome. It was just flat out awesome. This this was a lot of stuff that happened tonight. Obviously, we'll we'll cover it all. But man, I I, I just felt so damn good about the performance from Evan Mobley tonight. I just I can't speak enough about it i didn't get to see the post-game interview dr claw i'm gonna have to check that out dr claw says post-game interview with evan was hilarious he called wimpy a tall man i mean i have to wonder like mobley's tall himself he's technically a seven footer himself but seven footers are small compared to victor Wimpy. it's it's crazy like the dude is 
as tall as they come slender man for real out there and he is phenomenal in his own right right victor Wimbanyama finished the game with 19 points 14 boards and three assists on five of 16 from the field the one thing that was really pissing me off and this is not anybody's fault right because jared allen there were a few there was it was like back-to-back possessions maybe within the few possessions of one another but uh allen played him well defensively on these possessions but he still just pulls up from the perimeter and what do you do once a dude that tall just shoots the ball right over top of you there's literally nothing else you can do so sometimes you just have to chalk it up to uh you know good offense well good defense better offense that's that's really they're just dudes of freaking nature it's ridiculous dr claw also says evan takes that Wimby matchup personally yeah i mean he got up for this game i i cannot not believe that this this guy didn't get up for the Wimby matchup because he's seen what what's been said about him i'm sure he has these guys are still human they see the trades that people are putting hypothetically out there they say the things they see the things that people say about them and whatnot and people have already kind of moved past him as one of the you know the the unicorns in the league and they kind of just pushed him aside for guys like chet uh, and um Jet and Wimby, right? There's a couple other guys you can probably throw in the mix there, but Evan Mobley is starting to become one of the most underappreciated players in this league, if not on, you know, on this team, if not this league. He's that good. And he reminded people of that tonight. And I just, I love the way that he was able to do it. Like he played aggressively. That was, that was some of the most aggressive basketball in a star mashup because we have seen games from Mobley, like, uh, Case in point, I believe it was a game against Milwaukee last season in which Mobley went off for his career high, I believe, and it didn't have Giannis, right? They they didn't have Giannis out there. I feel like it was it was a game in which the Bucks did not have their best players out there and Mobley ate. We have not seen it too often to which Mobley dominates in a game against a star caliber matchup on, on the other side. And so to see him do that, to see him take this, uh, to see him take this matchup that seriously, I, I I love it. I mean, I just flat out love it. And to me, the crazy part about it tonight in general was although the big men really overshadowed uh, the front, the the backcourt, Donovan Mitchell turned in yet another amazing performance tonight as he worked his way to 31 points, eight rebounds, seven assists on a pretty damn efficient 11 to 20 from the field, including four and nine from three point distance. And he was ejected. We all saw it. Some bullshit. I don't know what the fuck Zach Collins was doing. That dude game is already over Why are you throwing elbows out there. I get you. The motions might be running high, but that screen did not need to be set like that. If Tristan Thompson had been out there, shit would not have happened. Somebody would have got their ass beat. I'm just telling you that right now. But uh, yeah, Donovan, man, in a game where he scores 31 points and it feels like an afterthought be- because Mobley and Allen played so damn well in their own right. That's crazy to me. That is like the quietest 31, 8, and 7 that I've seen in quite some time and this is just it's insane to me that donovan is just it's kind of like the lebron effect that we got all those seasons with lbj where he's just giving us phenomenal performances night after night after night and so you just kind of get you're not necessarily immune to it but you're expecting it and i i don't want to ever get to a point where i'm like okay 
you know, this does not surprise me anymore or this does not excite me or things like that because this dude is doing things on a basketball court on a nightly basis that uh, they're phenomenal. It's MVP level. And for him to continue to do that in a season in which the Cavs have faced a ton of adversity, whether it be due to uh, injuries or a constant lineup shuffling or scheduling, tough scheduling and whatnot, it's it just speaks volumes and i know that in the recent mvp ladders he wasn't even getting any love he's not in that top 10 uh in that top 10 uh rate rankings and i just don't understand it like what does this dude have to do to get some 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 coverage in that regard and i get it playing with that chip on your shoulder where nobody believes that you'll do anything especially come the postseason that can legitimately light a fire under your ass but I would like to see Donovan Mitchell get a little bit more recognition that he is getting right now. I, we all feel that he got robbed of that starting spot in the All-Star game to Damian Lillard. And thank God he, he made it right to the to the reserves. And I still, for the life of me, I just can't understand why that decision was made. Yes. And Sven Gaming says down here, that's an excellent point. You need to average a triple-double these days to get respect, it seems. And that's just crazy, man, because when you go beyond the stats, because uh, for for Donovan Mitchell, it's not even just the stats. It's the impact. It's the flat out impact that he has had on this team and just keeping things together and being able to really carry this team for more often than not. It's 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 unbelievable to me that the dude just can't get enough recognition out there. But speaking of all stars, man, Jared Allen. I don't know what this guy has to do to get recognition himself, short of dominating in the postseason, which obviously you don't get all-star recognition for that. But I, I just, I don't get it. Guy drops 26 and 16 tonight, probably won't get into the all-star game. I hate to say that. I, I don't I, I don't want to believe that that's the possibility or the most likely scenario with the two injury, two or three injury replacement spots that the Eastern Conference now has with Julius Randle and Joel Embiid out. But I just, I don't think Jared Allen is going to end up getting in. I feel like they're just going to, they're going to give him the shit into the stick and they'll probably put in Chris Stops or Trey Young or Miles Turner. You know, there's a couple of different deserving candidates that that also deserve to be in. But I'm starting to feel like no matter what Jared Allen does, the guy just can't get recognition uh, from the media. And a lot of that stems from that ridiculous postseason showing that he had, which kind of sucks. But what a way to start a new streak for him tonight guy has a double double in the first half alone and kind of got scared there uh for a moment because i thought he tweaked that same ankle but he just came right back in i was like man sit his ass down for the rest of the game i'd rather i'd rather let this game go down to the wire or even potentially lose this game uh than lose allen for a sustained period of time absolutely love it tune in sports says Cavs always get robbed darius should have one most improved uh, Mobley Defensive Player of the Year. I'm assuming uh, Darius, that was probably maybe his all-star season. And Mobley last year, right, with the Defensive Player of the Year. Tunin also says Cleveland third in the East. Let's fucking go. I love it, man. Just climbing up the standings. And I still feel bad for Philly because the Embiid news, that's big time for them and their future success this season. And that should allow a window for the Cavs to kind of catapult in uh 
uh, upwards towards the standings. And I don't think they're going to end up catching Boston. I just think that's not going to happen for that number one seed. Although anything is possible, I'll point that out. This Cavs team has, has continued to wow us and impress us and do the unexpected this year. But I don't think they're going to end up catching Boston. I do, however, feel that the two seed is within reach. I feel like they can climb up to number two. I think that that is a very, very good possibility. And obviously there are going to be some things that have to fall into place for that to happen. But with the way that this team is playing, with the way that JB Bickerstaff is coaching, uh, with the schedule aligning how it has, I, I truly do believe that there is a possibility for the Cavs to move up to that second seed. Jose A says, did you see the Doc River news? I cannot say that I did if it just came out, but I... <laughs> You know, I, I I'm still flabbergasted that um, that he even got hired in the first place. And if you're referring to the uh, what is he going to be coaching the All Star game? If he is, that's just bullshit. Adrian Griffin or JB Bickerstaff should be doing that, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, it should have been JB. I'm, and I'm now assuming that that is exactly what you're referring to. Um, HJ17 Gaming says Cleveland just one game behind for two seed. Yes, guys are just climbing up the standings. And like I said, I do believe that they will end up taking that as the season goes on. The East is tight, though. So I don't know, man. Uh, you, you legitimately have four to five teams that will be vying for those spots. Uh, you got you got obviously Boston up there that is probably going to stay locked into the number one seed. You have Milwaukee. You have New York, who's also playing very phenomenal basketball. As much as it pains me to say that, because I fucking hate New York. Uh, even more so now after that series, but I hate New York and um, they look, they look tough. Like Tom K says down here, I don't believe necessarily that the series, if you played that back now, I absolutely believe with the pieces that we have in place, the Cavs end up winning that series in six to seven games now. But uh, it was a lot, it was a lot different last year. They certainly were a tough matchup for the Cavs, and they have been phenomenal this season, especially after the OG trade. They're going to have some stuff to figure out there on their own right because of the Julius Randle injury. So who's to say that they'll be able to keep things going the way that they have been all season? Time will tell. Uh, Other aspects of this game tonight. Let's talk about Darius Garland for a minute. Who? Let me put up his stat line. Darius finished with just four points, three rebounds, four assists, and just, and this is the most intriguing aspect of the stat line to me. It's just the three field goals, right? He did this and a little over 23 minutes of action tonight. And so for me, I'm like, okay, the, the Cavs are dominating tonight by the front court mostly, right? The front court pairing of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley have it going. So you're going to force him the ball. Between the two, you guys aren't aware of this, they actually took a combined 33 shots. When's the last time that time? I don't know. I need to go research. When's the last time the Cavs front court pairing of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley have combined for 33 total field goal attempts? I don't I don't know. I'm scratching my head. I gotta I gotta do a little bit of research on that. I'm sure I can find that probably after the pod. But in a game where your two front court stars are dominating, does it even really bother you that Darius Garland only takes three shots? Doesn't bother me that much. Uh, clearly, they could tell that those two had it going on and Darius did not force the issue. I don't think he was terrible in his minutes tonight. Uh, you can clearly see that he's still trying to work his way back 
from missing so much time and uh, one thing that i don't feel like enough people are talking about is the fact that the guy lost weight right he he definitely lost some weight and it's you can see it out there he, he's not moving the same way that he that he once was he doesn't look as physical out there and we all know dg is not the most physical guy out there but he just you can definitely tell that's what i'm trying to say and so he's trying to play say he's trying to play himself back into game shape and i think that will come in time but it really helps when you have performances like this out of the front court in which you just don't have to rely on on your star point guard and not to mention the fact that donovan mitchell also had the lion's share of the field goal attempts tonight he took 20 himself and so you in a game like this where mobley allen and donovan mitchell combined for a grand total of 53 shot attempts you don't need darius garland to do to do a whole bunch you just don't and so <laughs> relax sensation says i'm from new york and hate the knicks Cavs all the way let's let's go i like to see shit like this um good on you man good on you uh not to shit on new york because i don't hate the state obviously i just hate the team um but yeah, Darius in a night where he takes just three field goal attempts, I'm not all that worried because clearly the front court had it going on. Nate says, the thing about the MVP race is SGA, Tatum, Halliburton, etc. all benefit from five out spacing. That nuance isn't discussed. Yeah, I, I suppose that for this team, the uniqueness of it is that you have a big in Jared Allen who one can has shown flashes of facilitation, whether that be from the elbow or out of DHOs and whatnot, who can also hit the mid range jumper. He doesn't space the floor like a big, like miles Turner would or Jokic or AD or somebody like that. There's a couple of examples, right? Throw Brooke Lopez in there. Obviously there's a lot of examples of modern day fives knocking down that three point shot jared allen has not yet added that to his game but he does have a consistent three point uh, he does have a consistent mid-range jumper in his arsenal um and so when you're talking about the five out spacing that's not something that the Cavs will probably ever be able to truly have unless you're you're slotting mobley over there at the five and he is consistently pulling up from three-point distance which i I don't think the Cavs are going to do that, right? They believe in Jared Allen. They they love what he offers on his contract and whatnot. And Evan Mobley, tonight's game aside, still has to prove beyond a shadow of the doubt that that is the norm for him, which we just haven't seen that, right? And that's why I pointed out the stat that this is the first time in his career where he's actually hit three triples in a single game. He's never done that before prior to tonight. Previous career high obviously was two, right? He's done that on now 11 different occasions including tonight so he's got to do that consistently in order for people to be like well this dude is living up to the unicorn hype and i think that is possible i think that is certainly something that he can do but i'm not gonna like go all in i'm not gonna push all the chips in because i need to see it consistently and i think that's but the general consensus is with him right because we've seen games in which mobley has dominated and reverted back to previous uh you know the, the previous uh norm just a game later we've seen that happen with him too often and i don't think that is going to be the case moving forward but i i have to acknowledge that that is the reality of the situation so it kind of is what it is 
but yeah man it's just this game was just so fucking awesome just for many different reasons not even just the front court you look at the bench here uh you got Karis Levert still playing at a six man of the year caliber pace and for me 10 points five rebounds six assists doesn't sound like a whole bunch but this this dude I don't know if you can find on this Cavalier bench a more versatile player because he can defend at a above average level. He is an above average playmaker. He's a pretty good rebounder for his size. He can shoot the ball and he can play multiple roles, right? If you need him to playmake for you, if you need him to man the point guard position, he can do that. If you need him to score the basketball, he can slide over to that off ball role and do that. If you need him to give you minutes at the three, he can do that as well. We've seen him do that over the past couple of seasons that he's been in town and wherever they need to plug and play him, wherever JB has to have him out there, He's shown capable of doing that. And so I absolutely love it. Tom K says the cat and Cavs new let three pointers fly mentality might help Mobley too. I honestly believe that somebody probably had to have mentioned this to Mobley. Like, look, people are saying that you can't space the floor. Dean Wade is helping the spacing and he is attempting just four to five field goal attempts a game. So for you to maximize on the spacing that we now have, you have to go out there and pull the trigger yourself whenever you have that. And you saw, it, you know, I'm going to clip it eventually uh, once the stats go up, once the uh, once the uh, game box score stats have the highlights within them and whatnot. But if I'm not mistaken, all of his shot attempts from range lacked a true defender, right? They were considered wide open. And if you can make defenders pay for that the same way that Isaac Okoro has started to do, the same way that Dean Wade himself has done, um, then it's going to eventually pay off and it's going to start generating that gravity and that gravitational pull, that spacing that we all need out of the front court. And so if Mobley does that consistently, that's going to be wonderful. I, I have no doubt in my mind, Tom, that somebody probably mentioned this. It was probably a talk like, dude, you need to be more aggressive. You need to take these shots. It's very similar to the conversation that I believe that they probably had with Dean Wade as well. Like, okay, if you have that shot, pull the fucking trigger. If people are not defending you, pull the trigger because that spaces the floor for us. Teams can no longer clog the paint like New York did in that series last year. And that could end up being a very scary sight for teams when you have a guy in Mobley who is now capable of pulling up from the perimeter and you have a guy in Jared Allen who is capable of dominating you in the post and so pick your poison that's what it comes down to right teams now will probably have to pick their poison if this becomes the norm because you have a backcourt that is capable of shooting the lights out and scoring on you in any kind of way you have a front court pairing in Evan Mobley and Jared Allen who is capable of dominating you in multiple faucets and the only that I guess the weak link, quote unquote, weak link in the starting five at that point would just be Max Struess, who is still adding despite having an atrocious shooting performance over the last couple of weeks. Really, I don't even know if you can say the last couple of weeks. It's just been up and down all year with him. Right. And I posted the stat line with his stats with Darius Garland on the floor, as opposed to the stats with Darius Garland off the floor. And there's a huge difference. But still his play from his shooting has been up and down and so that has to be acknowledged the good thing is is that he's been adding in other areas right the rebounding the playmaking that you're getting from him the defense that you're getting from him the heart the hustle right the leadership it's all stuff that 
the Cavs weren't necessarily getting out of that three spot last year on a consistent basis. And so Max Struess, even being that that weak, that weak link, the fifth starter is still providing pretty damn good minutes. And, you know, it's why you're seeing him play 30 plus every single night, despite shooting, having shooting nights like two for nine from the field, including two of seven from three point distance. That rebounding, that playmaking, that 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 defense—it's what keeps him on the floor. And so, I know people are clamoring for Isaac Okoro to take his spot, or potentially even Sam Merrill. But I mean, when he's doing things like this, it's kind of hard to take those minutes away. So that's that's kind of where I stand on the rotation right now, at least the starting five. Uh, Tom K says, "I really like JV's rotations today. I thought they were timely as well, right?" When you're looking at minutes distribution, it's kind of hard for me to kind of not to, to not feel any kind of way either way, right? I, I am not going to get too high on it because I recognize the fact that Evan Mobley and Darius Garland are on minutes restrictions, so that opens up minutes for some of the reserves and maybe even more minutes in the starting lineup for other guys, right? But on the other end, we're seeing guys get. Um, we're seeing guys actually get run that need to get run right tonight jb bickerstaff played seven different players at least 20 minutes he played let's see here eight nine ten guys at least 10 minutes you love to see it and you're not always going to see that right especially once the postseason rolls around your your rotations are going to shorten inevitably and that is a conversation for another day right but for me it just gets me believing that this is the deepest team in the NBA, right? I do believe that. I know that there are other teams that have laid claim to that title and that rule, but I do believe that this is one of the deepest team, deepest teams in the NBA, if not the deepest team in the NBA, considering who is on the bench. And any given night, opponents could be faced with having to uh, having to defend Karis Levert, Sam Merrill, who's man only scored three points tonight, only took three shot attempts. But is there a scarier sight in in basketball right now than Sam Merrill coming off a screen and, and pulling up on you? Because I just don't know if there is. Obviously, I know the answer to that question. There, there most certainly is scarier things. But it's a damn scary sight when when you have Sam Merrill running off of a screen because more often than not, he's going to let that thing fly and more often than not, he's going to make that shit. And to have that ability off your bench, that's that just speaks to the depth, right? Especially when you have people really wanting to start uh, Meryl Overstruess, which, you know, again, that's another conversation, but that just speaks to the depth on this team. And you cannot say that at all last year. It's like, where is all this depth come from? And I have to give props to JB because one, he saw the vision and he decided to keep Meryl, right? Thank goodness they signed him to that multi-year contract because somebody else would have scooped him up and found out what we are finding out right now. And that this guy is a legitimate top 10 shooter in this league. Um, there's just so much. that So many weapons off this bench. Tune in calls him secret weapon. I mean, he is, man. I mean, he only played 14 minutes tonight. But it, to me, is like you don't need him to play a ton of minutes for him to be impactful. You could legitimately play Sam Merrill, I don't know, 15 to 18 minutes a night. And he can still drill like four or five triples on you. And that is a scary thing for defenses to have to prepare for. And you can definitely see that the scouting report is out on him because teams are going over the screen on him. They're tra- they're trailing him. They're following him around. They're sending their best perimeter defender at him a lot 
That's what we saw with Kawhi Leonard the other day uh, when they faced off against the Clippers. And that, to me, that's the ultimate respect, right? Game recognized game. They know that Sam Rail can snipe, as Tony Tutarnt says, Sam the sniper. That motherfucker can shoot, can he? It's just, it's ridiculous. And I know people kind of been uh, been grilling me about the fact that I call him the best shooter in the NBA. And I, I obviously know that's not the truth, right? But he is up there. He's a top 10 shooter in this league. And I just didn't think we'd have that on a roster this year, which is just phenomenal. And then you look elsewhere. You have players like Dean Wade who stepped up big time in the absence of Evan Mobley. And he is now faced with not playing nearly as many minutes that he got in his absence, right? Now you're probably only going to see Dean Wade maybe 15 to 20 a night on a good night. And that uh, that sucks for him. But at the same time, to be able to say that, um, that you have that available, that option to turn to is great, right? Especially if, if JB is going to elect to go with George Niang, right? Especially as the postseason rolls around. If you're going to roll with a George Niang who has the upper hand because of his ability and willingness to shoot the ball. And I'm not, I'm not going to squirt around it, right? I will address the elephant in the room. If you guys are not aware of this, George Niang went 0 of 9 from the field tonight, 0 of 8 from three-point distance. He missed every single shot he took, all nine of them, in, including eight from three-point distance. That happened tonight. You will have nights like that, but you will also have nights where, like against Milwaukee where the man just completely goes off. He's capable of getting flammable, and that's why the Cavs brought him in. He can also be, just like Max Struess, he can be a streaky shooter. But history tells us, considering that he came off of five straight seasons shooting 40% or better from three-point distance, that that's not generally going to be the case. And that's why he gets minutes. Yeah, <laughs> all of eight from three-point range. Uh, and so when you have minutes like that, you're, you, you have the option to turn to Wade, who has started to be more aggressive out there. <laughs> Tom K says Niang was into that Texas BBQ before game. I think, ah oh, man, um, the dude does not look like a basketball player, right? And I'm sure the dude he doesn't listen to this podcast, so I'm going to talk freely here a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I feel that he he does not look like a basketball player, but he can shoot the basketball, he can rebound, he can do some things that uh, your typical YMCA players are capable of doing, but. Uh, that's not to disrespect him. He is an NBA player. Love it. Uh, Tony Tuturn says, let Amani get some Niang minutes. I think that there are opportunities <laughs> that you can uh, that you can have out there to give Amani uh, minutes. But uh, far be it for me to really be pissed off at JB for not just considering the fact that we're winning. Right? I would like to see Amani get some run, though. He had a night. Uh, he had a pretty solid game. Uh, against the Delaware Bluecoats just the other other night where he had a double-double. I think 15 points and 11 rebounds. And we know how good this guy can be shooting the basketball. I think the one thing that we're looking to see, well, really two, the two things that we want to see from Amani Bates on a consistent standpoint is the defense, right, especially on ball, and the facilitation. Does he make plays for others? Can he move the ball? And I don't think the facilitation thing is a huge thing because of who he would be playing with at the next level. But I think that people want to see that he is not a selfish player. I do not believe that. You guys know I'm a huge believer in Imani. Um, and I hope he gets opportunities sooner rather than later. But I think those are the things that the team is wanting to see. The defense and the 
uh, in the passing, right? I think those are the two things right now. Uh, about Niang, <laughs> they call him G Wagon. They call his nigga the G Wagon. Yeah, I I, uh, I I love the knee the the, the Niang nicknames that we've got, right? The, the G Wagon, the minivan. I'm glad that it went from the minivan to the G Wagon because I'm not a huge fan of of the minivan, but it's aptly it's an apt description, right? It, for for his body type. Uh, J. Dias Diaz says, I feel like games. When he when we have leads and hitting shots and moving the ball are perfect games to play Imani. I uh I do too, man. And that was like I, I think I tweeted it out the other day where like this is a perfect opportunity. I think it was against Detroit. And we know how that turned out. Far closer than I would want to, but uh um there are games that I feel like they have the opportunity to get him minutes and they just don't and i some of it is because he's on assignment with the charge right you can't play him if he just played the other night you well you could but you probably don't want to uh with he if he's with the charge you're probably not going to fly him out too often immediately the next day after and have him make an appearance with the big league club you're probably just not going to do that but there are opportunities and there will continue to be opportunities throughout the rest of the regular season for him to get some run and i think the best case scenario for him is probably to um fight for a role in the rotation the back end of the rotation next season which could still be a very hard thing to do because this team's got some depth and they have guys under contract for the next couple of years if they if they fail to keep isaac okoro which i hope does not happen right i i would love to keep isaac okoro at any cost but there's a very real possibility considering the way that he's been playing that we may not match what he is able to uh, command in free agency. I hope that's not the case, but it's always something that I have to acknowledge. Um, Tom K says, Bates just needs a bit of weight in defense. Two things that I feel like will it be will occur over this upcoming offseason. Nate says, my point wasn't that the Cavs should run five out. I was making the point that what Donovan is doing is even more impressive than some of the other MVP candidates since he doesn't get as uh as many easy looks that is a really really good point nate i i guess i was not understanding what you're saying but thank you for pointing that out the fact that he is doing that despite the way that we do operate that is very impressive and i think that he's not going to get that mvp recognition that we all want him to which he deserves honestly but uh hopefully he doesn't get snubbed for first team all nba uh, i think he got snubbed for that last year if i'm not mistaken if my memory serves me correctly uh nate also says if karis levert gets hurt or something god forbid amani could be very valuable as a bitch uh bench spark plug yes he could and i think that there will be opportunities like i said for for the caps to get him involved for the for them similar to what they've done with craig porter jr this season there will be opportunities for him to see the court Tunin says we need his defense we have to keep a coral you need defense you do but we do have to acknowledge the fact that the Cavs, um, by not signing him to a deal prior to this season, uh, since he's now going to be hitting restricted free agency, it is a very, very real possibility that somebody slides him an offer sheet um, that we may not feel comfortable matching because thing, especially with the new CBA being what it is. And so I don't have qualms about this, right? I do feel like if Dan Gilbert sees that this this could possibly be a title team or a title contender this season and beyond he probably will not have any gripes about going over the luxury tax to keep 
this core intact. And I do now include Isaac Okoro in this core. If you don't agree with that, fine, that's okay. But what he's shown me this season, I do believe that Isaac Okoro believes to be a part, uh, believes, leads me to believe that he is a part of this core moving forward. He's just too valuable. Um, it's not only him, the team isn't get, uh, isn't get enough recognition as a whole, but I like it that uh, way low key. Yeah. I mean, like I said, at the beginning of the episode, um, having that chip on your shoulder, kind of being under the radar, flying under the radar, that's, that can be a good team, uh, a good thing for the team to rally around, right? Because you don't have those heightened expectations from the outside world. You don't have the media expecting you to do this or that. You have that chip on your shoulder and that from a mental standpoint that's a great thing right especially considering the series that they had against new york last year where you're just like what what the hell just happened how do we just get walked off the floor like that by new york after the regular season success we had nate says afro coral <laughs> afro coral will unlock a new part of his game yeah I, I loved it uh love the way he wore his hair out today i suppose as well i need that just reminds me i need to get myself a haircut um, Tony Two Turns says, Would you trade Garland and Mobley for LeBron right now? Hell the fuck. No, I would not. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Tony. I would not do that. Um, you could probably I and there was speculation about like LeBron being traded this year. And I I'm pretty sure I saw that they kind of squashed that, though you never really know what's going on behind the scenes. There was no way in the fucking world I would trade those two for for uh for LeBron. I'd just wait for him to hit free agency. Uh, Chaz Orlando says we could honestly snatch Bronny with a second rounder next year. Yeah, I think it really just depends upon what the decision is for Bronny, right? Does he decide that he's going to stay at USC? Is he going to be a one and done? Um, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see, man. We'll see. Tune in says no way you can get Bronny free agency if I wanted to. Yes, you could. I would wait till free agency. The Lakers being bad is really sad, actually. The legacy, Lee Legacy is, is on the line. Oh my gosh. These uh, you know, the LeBron stuff, it's it, it's always funny to me because while I would love to see LeBron back in Cleveland, I'm not pining for it, right? Um, it would be a perfect close to his career. And I do think he will end up retiring a Cavalier, even if it's just on like a one-day contract type of thing. Uh, but it, I, I can't deny it would be nice to see him play with what we have here. And I, I don't get the people who say, well, you know, he would take shit over and he would ruin the chemistry, stuff like that. I just, he, he understands. He sees the writing on the wall. The career is not going to last forever. There are guys who need to be developed into the number one option or there are guys that you're going to have to eventually defer to which is which was the thought for him with anthony davis if i'm not mistaken that's what he initially signed up for like i'm eventually going to pass the torch onto you as that number one guy and we have seen stretches where ad has been the best basketball player on that team but that is also very inconsistent and ad has problems staying healthy uh Lakers rant aside, just uh, just phenomenal. And yes, as TuneIn says, thank you, Lakers, for taking care of the Knicks for us. Fuck the Knicks. I hate that team. Um, I have to acknowledge you're doing well, but uh, I, I did that as a team. If you hear you heard it here first. If there is one team that I want this Cavs team to face off with in the playoffs this upcoming postseason, it is the New York Knicks. I want that rematch badly. And I think Mitchell Robinson will be back. I want to see this team at full strength. I get they got OG and Anobi. 
I'm not afraid of them. I know Jalen Brunson is playing at a very, very high level this year. Congrats to him for getting his first all-star um, all-star uh, appearance. Well-deserved. I don't know why I was spaced out on that. But uh, yeah, congratulations to him. Hate the Knicks as a team. I am a fan of Jalen Brunson. I do like Julius Randle. They have some guys over there that I'm a fan of, right? But uh, yeah, that is the series that I want to see. I do want to see them face off with Milwaukee in a seven-game series. But if there is one, one series that I have to see this team have, it is a rematch with that New York Knicks team who just stomped us out uh, in many regards. And had the Cavs had the pieces that they have now, I don't think that's the case. And so, I don't know, man. I, I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but I, I that is just one team that I want to see. But specifically in reference to tonight's game, it was just phenomenal all around. And I, I, I fail to see this team really having like a sustained losing streak moving forward. I feel like they have figured out some things. Guys got to get back in their regular regular standing right because evan mobley and this is the craziest thing tonight he put up 28 and 10 on 24 minutes let that sink in <laughs> he uh cue the cue the sink meme literally um he finished with a 28 and 10 stat line in 24 minutes imagine what he can do with his full complement of minutes if he's playing like that that's crazy to me um, Nate says, do you think the Cavs will explore trades? And if so, for what? Honestly, I think they're kicking the tires on like marginal moves, like things out on the margins. But I don't think that there's any like big time swing going to happen this year. Because frankly, I think the best thing that this team can do is just get healthy, right? Get DG and Evan back into full health. Um, and I think that's it. Because think about it this way. Um, just as an example, I saw the name Ty, Ty jo Tyus Jones. I think that's the name that was floated out as veteran point guard help. And I know that the Cavs had been linked to wanting to bring in a veteran point guard presence considering Ty Jerome is not healthy and Craig Porter Jr. is really your only true point guard on that bench. Um, they were looking at potentially bringing in a point guard. I don't think at this point in time that you need to do that right honestly i would rather just convert craig Porter jr in the event that you're like you really need another point guard on the roster uh on the playoff roster and just give him the opportunity and i don't think craig board jr is going to play and that's like that it sucks because we've seen what craig Porter jr can do in actual run when you give him real run we've seen how impactful he can be but at full strength there's just not enough room for him and that's the case for some of these guys on the roster, right? And so um, I think that is what I would like to see happen. And just specifically in regards to the question, though, Nate, I just don't think that it's necessary. I think as long as they get healthy, I don't think anybody that they could realistically move in like or trade for would crack the rotation or would like be an immediate upgrade over who we have available on that bench right now between the likes of Karis LeVert, um, Isaac Okoro, George Niang, Dean Wade, Tristan Thompson eventually when he comes back, Sam Merrill. There's just a lot of threats off that bench, and I just don't think there's one that wouldn't cost you a significant asset to acquire that is an immediate upgrade, right? We saw the name Bogdan Bananovich and Sadiq Bey. 
thrown out there. Um, and I have to imagine that Atlanta one, they're going to want something more than what we have to offer, what we feel comfortable offering. And so that's the, that's the conundrum, right? That's the quandary. And in reference to Tyus Jones, who I brought up, it's the salary, right? CPJ is cheap. Um, he's a cheap alternative. I think that makes a hell of a lot more sense than to go after a, a point guard. I think, I think Tyus Jones is making like 12 million. Um, don't quote me on that, but there there are cheaper things that you can do, and that starts with um, that starts with Craig Porter Jr. Um, Chaz Orlando says CBJ being a stud is why I'm not scared of Donovan leading at the end of the year. For me, like the one player that is like losing out on minutes because of returning to full strength like the, the guy that misses out the most to me is craig porter jr right because now he is all but sure to be glued to the bench and we might see him play with the charge more who knows he made an appearance at the end of the game if i'm not mistaken tonight he was out there um <clears throat> tony Tuzer says why was tristan taking pds you think that kardashian chick has something to do <laughs> Uh, nah, man. I think uh, if you look at what he took, right, it, it makes sense because you're as you're aging, right, you're wanting to stay in shape. And for him to get some of that explosiveness back that we saw from him this year, um, that to me is why it happened. Right. He wanted to get back into in, into shape, into a version of himself that could legitimately contend for minutes and contend for a role. And while we saw that happen tonight. Well, not tonight. Jesus, what am I saying? While we saw that happen this season, um, it's clear why it was occurring. I do think that that Tristan Thompson can still give the Cavs valuable minutes, especially in the postseason if called upon. But I do wonder how much of that was the PEDs. We won't know until he comes back. Sucks, but in his uh, in his stead, in his absence, we've we've gotten decent minutes from Damian Jones. So I can't complain that much. And to be honest with you guys, I don't necessarily think that the Cavs will elect to play a true five off the bench unless it's matchup dependent, right? Obviously, if you're playing against a team like the New York Knicks, you have Isaiah Hartenstein, who's phenomenal in his own right off the bench. And you have Mitchell Robinson, Julius Randle, guys like that out there. Um, you might roll out a more traditional five off the bench to give you an additional body to throw at um, like an, an old school center like Robinson. But in a matchup, now, far be it for me to really understand or know what goes into potential playoff rotations. I'm not going to sit up here and act like I do, but I'm just going to say that I don't think the Cavs are probably going to operate with a true five in that postseason rotation. And so I don't think it's necessarily something that we'll have to worry about, to be honest. I think the Cavs are going to go small because of the shooting that's afforded to them with some of those bench units, right? When you're talking about Niang, when you're talking about Wade, when you're talking about Merrill, um, there's a lot of options. Um, Chaz Orlando says it's not just him, but Garland, Amani, and all these other guys, uh, other guys, G League guys, you're getting a year of experience with this system. Yeah. I mean, for the people who want Amani, for the people who want CBJ to see minutes at whatever cost, right? No matter the cost, even if they have to usurp more deserving players in the rotation, um, just understand that it is not a it's not a rush, right? Trust the process, as they say. Be patient. Amani is 19 years old. 
he has all the time in the world to make his way up to this rotation. And while Craig Porter Jr. is an older rookie, um, he also has time as well. And being on that two-way contract, I'd have to I'd have to think that the Cavs will probably extend not extend him, but rather um, convert his contract to a regular a standard deal rather than letting his two-way eligibility just you know go by the wayside and so we'll have to see i don't know tangents aside great performance tonight from top to bottom in the trio of donovan mitchell jared allen and evan mobley who just flat out dominated tonight i believe that they combined for 85 points if my math is correct, 31 plus 26 plus 28. I, I think that they combined for 85 of the Cavs, 117 points. And so anytime you get that and you don't have a great game from Darius Garland, you don't have a great game from Max Struess, you will take that nine times out of 10. And so that is a good win. That's a good place to leave it at. Hopefully the Cavs can pull out a similar type of effort against the Sacramento Kings. Cause that's a completely different story, right? Um, the 29 to 19 Sacramento Kings coached by former Cavaliers coach, Mike Brown. That's entirely different than this 10 win team that we just faced. Although they have Wimby, right? They are in a completely different spot, completely different position. We do owe them an L tune in. I hope that we give it to them as well. I cannot wait. Nate, I see that you said, <laughs> Yeah, they are tough. Nate asks, do you think JB has done enough on the X's and O's to make the two-ball dominant guard pairing successful? I'd like to see some off-ball screens, etc., rather than sitting one of them in the corner. I think the problem that you're seeing right now is that, one, Darius just came back, and they haven't gotten enough time. I think this is technically the 13th game that they've gotten with the entire starting lineup rolled out there, the envisioned starting lineup of Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Max Strews, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. I think this is just the 13th time that this lineup has been rolled out there. Um, and so I think that as the, as the season rolls on, as long as all those guys can get healthy, you might see some more off-ball stuff. And I think maybe... Maybe you asked Darius Garland to do that more with what you've been able to do with Donovan Mitchell, who looks like one of the best combo guards in the game. Um, maybe you stagger their minutes. I don't know. But when the two share the court, yes, I would like to see JB do a little bit more on the, the, the screens front, right? Have some more off-ball screens. I like seeing guard screens. I like seeing that happen a lot. Uh, Sam Rail is actually very adept at doing that. I would like to see Darius Garland do so as well. Do I think that that will happen? I'm not sure, um, to be honest with you, but I, I don't think it's necessarily just on JB. I think it's just the fit, right? And so we'll have to see how this plays out. And because the biggest selling point in this lineup wasn't necessarily that, it was the spacing that Max Struess provides and what he could add to a spacing deficient front court. And so I don't know. Um, I, I do think that JB has done a wonderful job in getting the most out of the minutes when the two are off the court um, or not sharing the court with one another when they have one or the other out there. But when they have both out there, I still think it's a little wonky at times. I don't think it's doomed, but I do think it's possible. Um, he, Nate also says, and you could set Mitchell backdoor screens and possibly have Garland throw him alley lobs. It would be fantastic to see that. Um, I just don't know. Like, Darius Garland, 
Darius Garland being on ball more than Donovan Mitchell or Donovan Mitchell being on ball more than Darius Garland. I don't know what the correct formula is, but as long as it results in wins, I can't complain too much. Um, Nate says, I want them to use Garland like Steve Curry uses Curry, get him open looks off ball. Um, Garland is a solid off ball shooter. I just think that he is at his best when he is on ball. I don't know. That's just me. We'll have to find out as the season goes on. But as I always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to me, you can add his Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to itscavalier53 at gmail.com, and I will send you an invite. If you are new to the podcast, please consider subscribing, throw a like my way. Helps out a lot. <laughs> you know, just, you, you don't understand how much you're helping me. Uh, but I truly enjoy the fact that you guys get on here and, you know, hop on live with me and just converse. It's, it's awesome. Great win tonight for the Cavs. Have a good night.